Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, a podcast series that explores financial complexities and modern strategies for the discerning investor. Brought to you by Ropan Financial Services. Now to our host. Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, presented to you by Ropan Financial Services. My name is John Calabro and I'll be your host today. I'm joined once again by the directors of Ropan Financial Services, Jason Panotatila and Rodney Gillum, to discuss all things wealth. How are we, guys? Great. Another week. Yeah. Another challenge. We're breathing. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. I like your optimism today, mate. Good job. How are you going, Rodney? Pardon the pun on the breathing part, Jace. <laughs> you got to like it. Uh, Been a big week, John. Well. We had the school soccer team. Yes. Your young fella in it. Yes. Mine as well. Indeed. And we mm. got through the regionals. Yep. Off we go. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, yeah. It was Excellent. a big day. Messi and Ronaldo, Tarogan style. Yeah. Yeah. No, the guys did really well. I went down to the last match of the day against the local St. Paul's team. And yeah, we held them off for a draw to get through. So yeah, it was great. Yep. Yep. This mm. is it. Work-life balance, Rodney. You're going to be coaching the next round? Will not be. No? No, I think <laughs> they're, sure? in, they're in capable hands. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't need my, uh, my, my hopeless skills coaching them. No, you never know. Mm. <laughs> Guys, um, so we're back for another another podcast, and obviously uh, keen to keen to keep the conversation going. And this time of year, uh, so if you're dialing in, it's you know we're in May, so we're we're talking about tax planning for the year ahead. Um, my accountant has reached out about coming to coming forward and having a chat and talking about you know what what do we need to do for the year ahead. Um, and so we're going to discuss that today, but we're also going to just cover off on a couple of. Basic points, you know, if, you've, if you're dialing in or if you're listening in for the first time and we're, you know, we're talking financial planning and you've never used a financial planner before, well, why would I need a financial planner? Um, as usual, I'll play the dumbest guy in the room and ask all the dumb questions and you guys can, can fill us in and... Uh, we'll just ma- double it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you, you, you're, welcome, you're welcome to take the mantle from, from, uh, from me, mate. I'm, I'd be happy to pass that one on. But um, yeah, the knowledge definitely does not sit on these shoulders. So um, why don't we start with the tax planning conversation because it's probably the, uh, you know, we want to um, we want to get bite the elephant and get started and, and get, the, get the hardest conversation out of the way. But what are the kind of things that, you know, if, if I'm a small to medium enterprise or if, even if I'm not, if I'm a high net worth individual, what are the types of things I should be really starting to think about, you know, with um, June 30 knocking on the door? Yeah, I think the key word's instant asset write-off for this year. I think some of the COVID provisions are finishing up this year, so I think writing off company vehicles uh, in full for new new purchases, you know, things like office equipment, uh, I guess depending on what sector a business is in, but a lot of capital items that can be used to produce accessible income can be written off in full. Now, there's probably some limits around those which you'd need to reach out to your accountant for, but um, it is an opportunity for, for businesses to buy some of those capital items up front. And even if finance is used, that full capital amount could be written off in some cases. So that would be certainly somewhere to start. I know some more mature businesses that haven't taken advantage of those over the last couple of years have paid for it in dealing with some pretty big tax bills which are due around this time of the year, John. So definitely something for businesses to to think about. The only little issue with, particularly if you're financing cars and things like that, um, 
with the full amount up to the luxury car limit written off. It just means that any leases and stuff in the future, you're not getting any depreciation benefits from those assets in years going forward. So it's almost a little bit take the sugar hit up front in terms of the tax deduction and then deal with the consequence of it later on, which doesn't seem to worry that many um, people or organisations over the last few years. Mm, yeah, I was going to ask, you know, if I'm if I'm weighing up, say, taking on the depreciation versus having it now, I mean, is that really a case-by-case basis or is there a better way? I think in the ideal world you'd depreciate your vehicle over the, the time of its life cycle or, or the term of its lease or finance higher purchase. Um, but in a world where we like everything up front, the current... Uh, legislation around tax deductions and write-offs means you get it all up front but it just means that some of your cash flow will will not be getting a tax deduction on you know your loan payments and and that sort of thing i guess it's different if you got the cash in the bank and can just pay cash for the the vehicle or whatever the capital item is but Mm. i think it can definitely catch people out that are, are financing some of those things be it an office fit out or or um you know, capital machinery or, or vehicles or trucks, that yeah, sort of thing. because it doesn't have to be just a vehicle, does it, when we're talking about all manner of assets for a, for a business, aren't we? Correct, yeah, correct. Right. What was the threshold again? Well, for your vehicles, you've, you've got to be mindful of the lock, luxury car uh, tax level, which I think is about 57000 So if you're buying a vehicle for $100,000, um, you generally can only write it off up to about 57000 That's for your GST and also for tax purposes. It's a little bit different if it's a commercial asset, uh, a commercial vehicle like a, you know, a, a ute or something for, a, I guess, a trade-related business. I'm pretty sure you can write off the full amount up to the, the price of acquisition or purchase. Um, but again, I'd probably you'd definitely seek some advice from your accountant on those sorts of things just to make sure you're clear on on what the tax outcome is on that sort of acquisition what about um if i'm selling an asset you know if i if i've got an asset and i'm moving it on and you know uh, the tax years rolling around you know what do i need to be careful of well the the income that you raise from selling that capital asset would be assessable so you may have got the write-off up front particularly over assets the last couple of years or I guess an asset you may have held for longer that's being depreciated at a percentage rate each year, there, w- there will be a cost base in your financials. So there's potential if you're selling it above the cost base that it's been depreciated to that there would be an assessment of income in your business. It's generally probably not a big issue, but it's certainly something to, to consider um, you know, when making any decisions. I'm just thinking back to my question before about, you know, you know, it's not just cars. We're not talking just about vehicles. Mm. Mm. There can be some pretty novel asset write-offs across um, the client base, can't there? Look, the can. I think the big point, John, is you know, since two thousand fourteen, there's been some forty-five new taxes introduced into the equation that people should be aware of in one form or another. Got a favourite, mate? None of them. <laughs> <laughs> But it just highlights the importance of uh, seeking the advice that uh, that Rodney's referring to because did, of all the complications. Did you say 45? Yeah. 45 new taxes? Since 2014. Okay. That's quite a number. Mm. Mm. That, sure is. That keeps a lot of people busy, doesn't it? Yeah, John, what... John's not going to ask you for one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to quiz you on them. Uh, Don't need the list. Um, okay, so 
instant asset right off um, in the wake of the COVID, uh, I guess, initiatives that the government put out there. They're going to be sort of winding up effectively. Um, you know, is there some other things that we, we should be cons- – what if, what if I'm a, a high net worth individual I don't actually run a business? Is there some sort of – what sort of things should I consider? Yeah, superannuation is obviously a, a pretty standard one to consider each year, John. The yeah. contribution limit where there's a tax deduction available has increased to 27500 this year. So that would be something for for those that are, are either self-employed or employees or, or even those that, yeah, might be high net worth, maybe retired. Um, the age provisions around super have changed in recent years. So, again, that's probably an area where an advisor can help give advice and, and just see if there's opportunities for tax, tax deductions in, in that regard. The other one, John, that we, we're doing a lot of work with, with most of the clients that we deal with, is the bring forward provision. Okay. Um, the government introduced around about a year or so ago that you can bring forward up to your contribution limit over the three financial years in the one year. So that's very mm-hmm. handy for those that maybe haven't considered topping up superannuation and so forth. Particularly if they've sold a capital asset, maybe a, a rental property or, you know, maybe a holiday home, something like that, or selling a, a basket of shares or managed funds, then they can make a contribution to super some of those proceeds and then get a tax deduction. So is that new, this bring forward rule? Yeah, definitely over the last 12, 18 months. Okay. And so if I execute this bring forward rule this year, does that mean I'm ineligible to do it next year, the year after, until that three-year period is up? Or you know, is there some nuance that we need to be aware of? Yeah, I th- your contribution limit will be available for the next year, but only up to that singular year. Whereas mm-hmm. I guess if you haven't made top-ups over the previous few years, then you can take advantage of that now and then go back to being a normal contribution cap uh, in relation to that deductible amount. Okay, interesting. Um, I, I was going to ask also, you know, if like a business would invest in, um, you know, materials or, a, you know, or, or a vehicle or some other sort of useful asset. If I'm, a, if I'm an individual um, and I want to invest in another asset, call it a really expensive bottle of wine or a piece of art or, you know, something again, a bit more trivial like that. I mean, is there any advantage to, to doing that if, if they're seeing, you know, and it might be something as basic as shares, you know, something that's a little bit more investment um, typical. Is there any, is there any merit in, in that? Uh, if, <laughs> I was, actually, it's quite funny because um, wine and artwork as an alternative asset is not considered um, an appropriate asset within the super scheme. Gotcha. Yeah, so. But don't get any ideas. Yeah, in fact. Well, Jason, we do have a couple of blank walls here that can do with <laughs> some really nice art. So I'm sure yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. sort of funding mechanism and maybe a tax deduction or depreciation there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it begs the question, doesn't it? No, who in these times, who's actually got that spare cash to throw at things like that at the, at the time? You know, it's, it's not going to be on everyone's agenda, isn't it? We're, you know, we're seeing interest rates a bit higher, property prices that are limiting out. Um, I'd imagine that that's not going to be on everyone's agenda, that type of play. Yeah, the landscape's changed. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I guess everyone just adapts to that environment and addresses the issues relevant to them. Yeah, because, I mean, that's – is there a sense of conservatism or, or, you know, is it smarter to play it safer at the moment? You know, and is that something that needs to be factored in? Yeah, it'd be interesting to know what the consumer data is at the moment, John. It would appear that things might be slowing down a little bit, but we're noticing 
we're having quite a number of clients that are selling um, capital items, you know, mainly housing and that sort of thing, which is creating investment opportunity. Uh, Scott just gave us an update of a client selling their home and looking to go and travel for a couple of years. And it's funny, often we see that clients that make decisions will then make another decision. So we helped that particular client with an inheritance a couple of years ago and helped them get the structure and strategy in place for that. And then obviously now they've made a pretty big lifestyle decision that, you know, perhaps they wouldn't have made if they hadn't have sorted out the first issue that they originally come to us with. So we're, we're definitely still seeing some, some property selling. Um, I think the real estate market would appear a bit more competitive in terms of, of, from what we're hearing, listings have dropped. But in terms of the people that we deal with, we are seeing some transactions still occurring. So if you know things are priced right, the transaction is still there. So it's interesting times. Yeah, there's still things to do. Definitely still, still advice to give. There's still uh, situations to assess. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, any other uh, ideas on, on tax planning? I, I've got some notes here around um, corporate beneficiaries, which um, sounds awesome when I say it, but I really have no idea what it means. That's <laughs> probably a bit more of a business one, one John. Oh, for can, sure. Where you can shift some of your, your corporate profits into another entity just to, to have it kind of sitting on the shelf mm. until you what? decide what you want to do with it or potentially you can set up some investment schemes or investment opportunities within that sort of entity. Yeah. What, what kind of scenario might I be in if I, to, to think that that was a smart idea? You know, what, what's, if, I'm, if I'm a listener out there and I'm like, oh, that sounds like I've heard about that, I'm thinking about doing that, you know, what's, what's the likelihood? What, what, what would someone like that be doing? I think it depends on their overall asset position and income position. So essentially the corporate beneficiary is just, it's an entity structure which is taxed at the company tax rate. Okay. So if your marginal tax rate, for example, is higher than the company tax rate. Which is? 47%, for example, mm-hmm. uh, or less. Um, it may be a consideration in the pool in regard to a strategy that's relevant for them. Yeah. And the corporate tax rates, is it 30 or 28 and a half? I can't remember. Yeah, it's a bit less now. I think it's in the mid-20s, mid-20s John. 20s, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, so it, it could be quite beneficial for some people if they're, if they're you know, 30% plus. For sure, for sure. I think there's some compliance issues around those corporate beneficiaries, though, in terms of ensuring the money is retained in those types of entities and is not drawn out for other other purposes. Um, so there's definitely some compliance issues that, um, you know, your, your accountant would certainly be on top of in managing those those sorts of strategies. How many, uh, you know, you guys have been practicing financial planners for a long time now. Um, not that long, but you know, a substantial amount of time to give you the wisdom and the advice to, to be able to provide. How many, um, how many of your clients, you know, how often does this happen that this sort of tax efficiency process uh, is part of their strategy? Is that something that a lot of people employ? Yeah, there's no doubt it's something that we diarise each year and go through the client base in terms of super contributions. It's also an important time of year to organise and ensure clients' pension payments and things are in order with their account-based pensions and, and different superannuation pensions, particularly self-managed funds where mm. where the member is ultimately the trust trustee and they need to make sure that they're meeting the requirements of of running those pensions Mm. um so yeah john for sure definitely with business clients and also individuals it it is a good time just to brush up and make sure that everything's on track as you hit the june 30 deadline because once that 
that time frame's come and gone, it is gone. You you can't really go back on it. So mm. it's definitely an important time for the advisory firms and accountancy firms to be on top of those things. What if I'm one of those people who caught onto this a little bit late, June 30 flies past, am I able to roll forward some of those benefits? Am I able to put them into the next financial year or, you know, because you've mentioned just now, June 30 rolls around and then bam, you know, you could be caught, could be too late. But there are some things that you can roll forward, is there not? There's no get out of jail free card, assuming. Yeah, I know. I know um, with our own compliance regime that your elections with distributions and that sort of thing, John, need to be done to be and done. in writing before yep. June thirty. Yep. So, so it, the, it is pretty pretty tight now in terms of you know meeting those sorts of opportunities, if okay. you like. Yeah. So some things are, are pretty locked in, pretty rigid. You got you've got to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yep. Interesting. I mean. Just curious about, you know, if I if I've got a self managed super fund and I'm I'm playing that out, what are some of the things, given that it's you know we're, we're talking sort of you know, we've got a, a month to go before before end of tax year, um, what some of the things I should just be quickly checking, you know, what 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 should I be right across as a minimum? Well, depending on the age of the self managed super fund, there'd be probably a few things to consider. Firstly, the relevance of the deed as the governing framework of the self-managed super fund. Is that something that gets renewed every few years? or It should be every few years, I, I guess, to encapsulate all the changes that have happened within the, the sector with regard to tax and mm-hmm. contribution limits and so forth, um, the validity of the investment strategy within the self-managed super fund, making sure that's up to date with regard to the client's risk appetite. Uh, and then, as Rodney just mentioned before, if it's into a, a pension stream, ensuring that the appropriate pension structure is relevant for the time. And if it's not, you make the changes. Yep. yep. And the best person to talk to about getting those things on top? Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> or if you happen to be listening from 102,000 kilometres away, a financial planner, I'm assuming. Well, both financial plan and also the, the accountant. accountant yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And, of course, anyone can contact you guys yeah, well, from any kind of distance. Just visit ropan.com.au. That's R-O-P-A-N.com.au. Oh, that's it. Session's ended. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, very interesting. Um, I do have a few other notes here. I had, I had written down, say, cars or equipment for tradies um, and potentially some real estate or, or ooh, someone outside. Someone outside just bought themselves a new uh, hotted up vehicle for, for end, of tax, end of tax years by the sounds of it. Um, yeah, any other comments you want to make about tax planning before we sort of move along? Yeah, probably the only one. We had an email from the bookkeeper today on our employer contributions. Um, they're generally made every quarter and so the June 30 quarter ones generally roll over to July, to the end of July, but there's an opportunity to, to prepay those before June 30. So... And there's other other opportunities. You can prepay rent and some marketing expenses, uh, things like that, which would be music to your ears, John. Well, yeah, I would be lying if I said it hadn't happened in the past. So, yeah, <laughs> is what it is. All right, guys. Well, look, I, I want to just swing back to the uh, inheritance client you used, you mentioned earlier, Rodney, because um, it's a bit of a, a decent segue into you know the, the the questions I'd asked before. Why do I need a financial planner? Well. You know, you'd mentioned before someone had um, earned an inheritance and they needed some advice and some 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 tips on how to structure what you know what to do with that money, how to make that more efficient. Um, I mean, 
there's going to be lots of people listening who potentially are in that situation or that situation may occur to them in, in the future. What do you do? You know, how do you even, where do you even start if something like that happens to you? What do you need to be aware of? Yeah, it depends on the scenario, John, but we had one um, just recently last week or so where um, a client's father passed in, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and there's going to be significant estate. Now, the question that they had prior to the estate being wound up was what to do with some of the, the capital assets in in the estate. So there's definitely a tax consequence on whether those assets are sold down prior prior to the estate being wound up or whether or not those assets are retained and distributed to the beneficiaries. So the first question is, do are those assets going to be assets that the beneficiaries want and are they of quality that they will retain? Uh, and then secondly, is there a tax impact in selling them and being wound up through the estate tax return? And then sec- secondly to that, once a decision's made around the tax, we've had some clients where assets in the estate, there's, there has been big tax issues and we've worked in with the accountant and also the solicitor winding up the estate to actually hold back on selling those assets and distributing those assets directly to the beneficiaries. And then over a period of like five to seven years, we've coordinated a strategy to slowly sell down those assets at a much reduced uh, level of tax. Um, now, the the other aspect around the deceased estate is if the beneficiaries are in a Centrelink zone, so say in the age pension realms where they're getting either a part or a full age pension, there can be issues around receiving big lumps of estates and then wiping themselves under the income and asset test for Centrelink purposes. So there is an arrangement via the solicitor uh, that, that can be looked at. It's called a deed of family arrangement where potentially the family can maybe change the distribution of those assets. So let, let's say we've got one, one child or adult child receiving, say, a million-dollar inheritance and they're looking to on pass, say, three or 400000 of that to their children, then there can be an arrangement where a deed's set up where that those funds will be distributed direct from the estate to those child, children or grandchildren beneficiaries so that the initial beneficiary doesn't receive the full amount and then gifts it off. So under your Centrelink rules, John, there's, there's five-year gifting uh, provisions. And so it just can free up and it depends on the asset amounts and, and obviously that's all complicated and that's where advice is needed. But even if it is a bigger state and it does put people over the asset test limits, at least by going through a, a fa- deed of family arrangement, it can soften the impact and they might be able to get back on an age pension sooner rather than later. But, but they're all, all factors. So there's tax issues there, there's Centrelink issues, just in that one example. Yeah, it sounds it sounds complicated. It sounds like the type of thing that if you're going through it, you would want advice. You would want someone to be able to call, someone to be able to guide you, someone you can trust. I mean, herein lies the answer to the question, you know, why do I need a financial plan? Well, we've just articulated pretty clearly one of those examples. Um, Jace, what about at the other end of the spectrum? When I am 15, 18 maybe, just getting my first job or I've just finished university and i'm starting to earn full-time wages um we hear a lot about uh you know there's the likes of the barefoot investor and and types like that where you know they they um talk about the the benefits of compound interest and things like that i think the 
tutor advocate even made a joke about that on, on its Instagram feed this week. But you know, in all seriousness, a long-term investment plan can be extremely beneficial, can it not? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. It's similar to the example that Rodney just gave. In this instance, it's, it's a complete reset. It's uh, clearing the page, setting down the goals, having a look at what's relevant, what's not, having a look at the objectives. And um, the earlier that people can start, the better. Yeah, that yeah. compound effect you've uh, related to, it's a very real scenario and it does work over a period of time. Uh, but you need to ensure, obviously, that you have an appropriate strategy from the outset. Mm-hmm. So what if I, was, if I was to take one thing away from this conversation and I'm in that age bracket, you know, I'm, I'm early to late teens to my early 20s, what's one thing you could suggest to someone they could do, you know, straight away, get off this podcast, do a quick Google, find out this, you know, what would be one thing, where would you point them? Speak to a professional advisor. Just ask the basic questions, have a general chat, see where it fits and, and move forward from there. Yeah. And if, if they were to do that, is there something that the advisor should be saying or should be doing so that they know they're getting the right advice? Because there could be all sorts of people out there. There could be all sorts of charlatans. They don't want to, you, you know, we don't want to send people down the wrong path. What's the type of thing that would give them confidence that they're getting asked the right questions? Without doubt, credibility of the firm, the experience of the firm, the longevity of the firm. Look, they can go online, uh, but the number of scams, the level of scams, the complication just in that sector, uh, you know, the uptake on crypto, the confusion around that, it's all trendy, it's all popular. In some instances it might work, but in many other instances it's not relevant to people's strategy in terms of where they are at the moment and where they're trying to get to down the track. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to just throw this out there if i'm 18 years old or even if i'm 21 years old a term strategy probably makes my eyes roll back in my head well, it's, not um, an, it's not an instagram term is it's it? definitely not an instagram term i don't think they um i don't i'm gonna hedge my bets and say that there's not a tiktok channel around financial strategy <laughs> <laughs> i think there is john <laughs> is that right yeah, yeah it probably is there'd be, there all, is. there'd be all sorts of people but look i mean just you know let's let's just talk really basic for a second what if I'm if I'm that twenty year old kid? Like, what's a financial strategy? What do I what am I looking to do? Just let's just it's high level so that people are clear. I think a really basic one, John, is like everybody has a fixed weekly expense. So okay. if they've got a little bit of rent or okay. a bit of board at home, now or I get it. Yep. Some entertainment, maybe some car expenses. I think the easiest way for the younger ones to get a good start is. Because if they can work out what their fixed expense is, let's say they earn $600 a week, their fixed expense is 500 If they can take on an extra half a day shift at four hours at $25 clear, let's say, they can double their savings capacity with an extra four hours of work a week against a backdrop of 144 hours for that base $100 savings. So they can double their savings by an extra four hours of exertion a week. Yep. It's very basic, but yep. they've they've doubled their, their savings capacity, which can then be investment capacity and so forth. Yeah, and I think this is where that compound gain starts to really play out. If I now do that across a year and then I you know I calculate the, the gains and then I do that across, say, three years. Let's say I want to do three years of hard work and then mm. I'll take it easy. You know, you're going to be multiples better off. You're going to have that fatter wallet to... You know, if you're in your early 20s, you might want to upgrade your car. You might want to go on a family holiday. You might actually want to stick it in some shares. God forbid you want to buy some crypto. (laughs) But, um, you know. Or maybe set up a business. I know, Jason, you're working with some younger guys at the moment that 
may not have all the capital but they've got the idea and they've, they've got the inspiration so they need a combination of maybe drawing in some capital to help achieve their goal but if they've got a little bit saved up on the side it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt adds to the equation mm. yeah. Yeah. creates yep. the buffer doesn't mm. it mm. yeah so i think this is where I, I i think this term strategy is good to unpick even just a little bit you know just having a plan Really? You know, what do you want to achieve? What do you want out of five years? What do you want out of 10 years? What do you think you want to be doing in 20 years, potentially, if you're willing to think that far ahead and, you know, draw some steps out and start making it happen? Yep. No doubt. Start with the end in mind. Isn't that one of the sayings? That's one of the sayings. Yeah. Okay. So now if I'm in this situation, interest rates have come up a bit. I could just shove that Drop that cash into a bank and, hey, bam, I'm getting 4%. No, an extra four hours a week work, John. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the basics. This is what I mean. Do mm. I want to put it in the bank and earn bank interest? What are my other options? There is a bit of talk that more capital is moving back to the banks, John, so mm. we can sort of laugh about it. But as the interest rate does go up, it does give people a perceived risk-free return. But... I guess if inflation's running at six or seven percent and bank bank interest rates at four and a half, you're still in a negative outcome. So it's an interesting time at the moment for where people can get a real return against inflation. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Risk appetite, John. Uh, indeed, yes. Risk appetite. Yeah, and um, you would be hoping that people's risk appetite isn't. Uh invest it into the pokies and, and gamble it all away. You know, that's one well, extreme end. Well, the flip side to this whole discussion at the moment in, in, in New York is is the government, is Congress actually going to approve the debt ceiling? And, I had no idea what that means. Sorry. Yeah, so level of government debt that's been issued into the marketplace. Okay. And um, people just seem to think it's a given, but uh, the, the talk amongst the investment bankers across the banking community at the moment is there's no guarantee. Mm. So what's the consequence from that? You know, it, it may influence people to to move towards that safety and security we're talking about and put money in the bank. Who, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a moving target. Are the banks safe? That's a big question, isn't it? Because we've seen, didn't we see Silicon mm. Valley Bank um, collapse in recent months? You know, we know some of the big banks are, are, are fairly secure, but, um, you know, that question doesn't really get asked a lot, does it? No, well, you don't even have to look at that silicon bank. You have a look at our own banking system, what's happened over the last 10 years and how the government's had to legislate to guarantee money in the bank at a certain threshold. So it's a valid question in regard to is it safe and is it appropriate to where you are on your life journey Hmm. in terms of what you're trying to reach. Yeah, yeah. So why do I need a financial plan? Lots of reasons. I think this stuff is extremely complicated and if you're not investing in time and energy into thinking about it, then uh, you could easily have, uh, you know, you could you could be easily confused. It's easy to be led astray. It's good to be uh, aware of, of some basics. So I think this is um, all the reason why you should have a relationship with a financial advisor if you don't already. Um, what if, what about later stages in life? You know, I've had my first kids. I'm, um, you know, I'm, to pay off my house i'm settled into my job what do i you know what should i be thinking probably goes back to that compounding effect Mm. uh as was mentioned earlier john uh that you know it's a time that you might be able to put aside some funds into superannuation be it a salary salary sacrifice arrangement or an employer contribution top up um maybe an investment on the side that you put in regularly there are tax benefits to that too, assuming if I was to invest more into my super, does that lower my taxable income? Yeah, generally. Yep. Generally okay. it would. 
So you might slip yourself under one of the ta- tax income thresholds, potentially, depending on how things yeah, are. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Yep. So you could actually, and that results in even more net gains, doesn't it? Because you're getting you, your dollars going further because it's not lining the, the government. Well, it gives coffers. you a risk-free return, doesn't it? It's often the one we have with accumulating um, clients, be they singles or, or couples that come in, is what is the right time to maybe go and you know try an investment property um but often the size of the home mortgage generally dictates you know whether that's appropriate or not and it depends on the level of risk people want to take and as we've seen the last 12 18 months the the jump in interest rates so for those that are that are paying off their own home or an investment property as well it can have a big impact on on the cash flow of that particular strategy john so i i think from what i'm hearing the investment market for rentals has sort of dropped off quite a bit mm. the last sort of six to 12 months it kind of makes me think forward towards you know that next age bracket so you, you you're pushing into your 60s maybe 70s you're starting to think about all right, i'm going to retire soon i'm looking to assess my assets i need to start preparing for what might be retirement or, or drawing a pension down from from my super or whatever um so throwing back to your question before, you know, if I'm in my 40s and 50s looking at getting an investment property, should I be pu- considering putting that in, in a self-managed super fund or should I, you know, what, what are the pros and cons of either of those? Why might someone do one thing versus another? Well, that's the whole reason gauge of financial advisor, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to head up, look at the pros, look at the cons, mm. see what's appropriate, what's not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, John. I, I think in terms of complexity, often the – the pre-retirement client or the wealth accumulator is probably almost the harder one because mm. they've got a they've got a lot of opportunity in terms of what they do with their disposable funds and you know obviously life changes a lot but maybe that retirement market is a little bit more of an easier advice piece and I'd probably say that we would probably find it a little bit of an easier process and a lot of advisors do go to that market because there's generally a a larger asset base and normally the advice is not as complicated Mm. although definitely now like there's there's the issues around downsizer provisions people downsizing their homes and super contributions the age limits and so forth It, it still can be quite complicated but but there's definitely it's an interesting market for financial advisors of whether they want want to work with accumulating clients or whether they sort of more focus towards that retirement market and i'd assume that um you know when there's a bit more to play with uh you know in a sense there's more assets to deal with there's more you know there's, there's actually more thinking you guys can put into play because you've actually got tangible things to work with yeah absolutely yep yeah i think often the really good advisor can can work with a client from a younger age and really help them with their career, um, be it business or employment career, um, just help put put in place processes to build assets over time. And I know now that we've been around in our field for, for quite a while, we've seen w- what benefits people have had, be it setting up a, a child investment bond and we've seen children go from five or six years of age to, to now being married and buying their first homes and... Um, you know things like that so it's quite rewarding working with the different demographics across the market and i guess for us being based in the region whilst we've we've got a number of clients in the cities uh we do deal with a varied client base which mm. in a way is good particularly as we've got the new generation of advisors coming through our our practice 
And I'd assume too, with that diversified client base, you, you know, there's going to be strategies and techniques that you put into play for, for one group, let's call it farmers. Um, there might be something that actually, you know, you can then adopt for say business owners that, that people who specialize only in business owners might not have thought of because they haven't had that cross-pollination of industries. So, you know, a planner that's got some, some diverse uh, knowledge might be, might be a really handy asset for someone out there. Yeah, and I think even some of the bigger firms in the cities, they've they've actually said that they're open to, you know, the, the varying markets in terms of, you know, younger clients versus the maybe the more profitable re- retirement-style clients as well. So because they're trying to bring through younger staff. Mm. Okay. Well, guys, that's been a pretty good chat. I appreciate your time today and I, I think – you know, we've covered off on some basics and, and um, maybe some specifics and probably could have gone a bit deeper on some of those as well. But, um, you know, I'm going to leave those conversations for people to have with you directly. I, I suggest that they contact you to discuss any of these, these things more. And, of course, we want to save some content for the other podcast too, don't we, right? <laughs> you can't be talking about kids soccer the whole day. Um, but, look, any other comments you want to make and uh, closing, closing sort of summary points and before we wrap it up? How you done well, John? Rodney's done well. Bring on June 30. That's it. <laughs> get that so deadline. Got some holidays planned for after that, get the work done and then go and relax or is it uh, full steam ahead until then? Out of here. Yeah, maybe for you, Jason, but with with the young ones playing soccer through winter, it's a bit of slog mode, isn't it, John? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't mind it, mate. It gets me through the cold days. Yeah. By gosh, it's cold. If you're, uh, if you're not listening from, from, from where we are in Gippsland or in Victoria, uh, yeah. It's not that warm when you're, you're standing feeling out. it, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was last night. My, my son had a practice game in sale and um, 7.30 at night and they're finishing up and I could see the uh, the condensation coming out of my mouth as I was breathing, trying not to shake too much. Yeah, it was not warm. It was not <laughs> Love warm. it. I'm gonna, obviously, you know, we're talking about this investment. I'm going to have to invest in some warmer clothes, I think. <laughs> that sounds like a good investment, John. <laughs> Love it. You'll have a good All return right. over this season. All right. Thank you for listening. Um, For anyone who's interested in having a more in-depth chat about the things we've discussed today, please, by all means, reach out directly to Rodney and Jason. You'll find their contact information by visiting ropan.com.au. That is R-O-P-A-N.com.au. But, of course, if you have your own financial advisors or trusted friends who have your best interest at heart, definitely reach out to them also. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on our next installment of Conversations on Wealth. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Please note that the advice discussed in this podcast may not necessarily be suitable to you because it contains general advice that has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. We ask that you please seek personal financial advice prior to acting on this information. To find out more about what was discussed in this podcast or to seek advice, we encourage you to contact the friendly staff at Ropan Financial Services by visiting www.ropan.com.au or referring to the notes in the description. 